Hi there. Welcome to Conversations with a Wounded Healer. I'm your host, Sarah Bueno. I am a psychotherapist in Chicago, Illinois, just having a podcast and sharing some of my thoughts. Thank you for joining me today. I really appreciate you. I don't even know you, but I appreciate you. It's true. It's very true. So I wanted to ask if you are a, a listener and a friend, if you would be interested in supporting the podcast financially, these things ain't cheap, friends. You know, they're free for you. They are not free for those of us who who create them. And if you feel so moved, you can share a donation on Patreon and you can find us under Conversations with a Wounded Healer. I believe it's patreon.com slash wounded healer, just like the Twitter, like H-E-A-L-R. Anyway, so someone had asked me, and I appreciate this so much. She said, I really would love to donate, but I'm not able to donate on a regular basis. And the minimum for donation, by the way, is just a dollar. So you could you could donate a dollar once a month and that's it. One-time donations, that's not really what Patreon is set up for. It's set up for monthly donations. But what I think you could do, and I told this person if she wanted to do that, you could set up a monthly donation, have it deducted from your account at one time and then delete it and never donate again. And that is just as lovely. So those are some options for you if you're interested in supporting the podcast in another way. And I appreciate you even thinking about it. So I did want to talk before I introduce today's guest, I wanted to just share my experience. I've said before on the podcast that you know, recording the podcast, I'm very present and I'm just trying to be there with the person. And then later I go back and I listen so that I can write some notes about the show and get some quotes and stuff. And we recorded this episode probably over six months ago. And I have no idea why I sit on an episode. Sometimes themes emerge and I just know when it's supposed to be released. I kind of listen to my intuition on that. And I kept feeling so bad about not releasing Sophia's episode and I didn't know why. And then when I listened to the interview that we recorded, what I realized is at the time I was struggling so much with a lot of perfectionism around work and I was so in the thick of it that I I wasn't really able to truly take in all that Sophia was saying about using the wound as a tool for, as a sacred object really is what she shared. And when I listened back to it, I've kind of shifted and started making changes in my work life so that I can feel a little bit like have more space to breathe. And listening to it back was just such a gift. And so I'm so glad that my intuition told me to sit on this episode and release it now when it's really healing for me. And I told Sophia this too. And she said, it all is, it's all happening in divine time. And so I'm also going to trust that this episode is what you need as it's being released today. So without further ado, Sophia Brody brings her master's of psychology and her intuitive practice with the elements of creative expression to provide a compassionate and sacred space for exploration. She offers life coaching and inner journey work through transpersonal muse, life coaching and education. So please enjoy my interview with Sophia Brody. Hello, Sophia. Welcome to Conversations with a Wounded Healer. Thank you so much. How are you today? I'm great. I got a kid-free moment here, thanks to you. Mm. You're welcome. (laughs) (laughs) There you go. Sarah Buino, kid-free moments. Wonderful, huh? Yeah, yeah. So you are another fun Instagram friend. Love it. I'm so surprised. Not about 
you, but just in general, <laughs> how many awesome people I find on Instagram. I used to be like such a Facebook only person, but now uh -huh. I'm really like, I don't give a fuck about Facebook these days. <laughs> I know, right? Yeah. 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 It seems like Instagram, you know, I'm exploring this Instagram in a new way through mm -hmm. the transpersonal muse. Because before it was just me and my life and my family and everything. So you'll see that if you go on to my site and mm -hmm. scroll back. But yeah, it's just been so wonderful with at least when you're coming from like a healing perspective yeah. and you're putting that out, that's the energy you're attracting on the social media, you know, when you're going at it from that angle. So I love it too. And I love that you reached out right away, right when I, right when I started putting this whole thing together and hashtagging it, you just popped up and you're like, Hey, <laughs> and I'm like, yeah, this chick's rad. Oh, that's awesome. <laughs> I love I, what you're doing. Thank you. It's funny. You know, people are always like, well, you know, what are you looking for in your podcast guests? And I'm like, mm -hmm. I, I just, just cool people. Great. It's just kind of a vibe. And I can tell by people's social media if we vibe mm -hmm. or not. And if mm -hmm. we vibe, let's just, let's just do it. Right. <laughs> I know. You got to get spiritual AF on there. She is. She was. Oh, good. Yeah. I have to go back and look. Yeah. Her interview came out in January or February. Awesome. Yay. Oh, yeah. Roxanne good. is a rad bitch. Right. Yeah. Mm hmm. Yeah. Well, why don't we have you tell people who you are and what you do so we can really start digging into the meat? Yeah. Okay. So my name's Sophia. And back in the day, I went through the whole MFT, marriage and family therapy training. I started getting my hours for it to um, become licensed as a therapist. And I went, nope, I, pulled, I pumped the brakes on that. And since then have kind of lived my life I had a family raising two young kids with a husband who's gone firefighting half the time. Mm. I always knew I'd come back to this therapeutic approach or whatever. I just didn't know what it was going to look like. And since the new year, 2019, the name Transpersonal Muse just pretty much downloaded into my mm. peripheral. And I was like, that's it. And that's my landing page. So it's so wonderful to have this transpersonal muse, which is on transpersonalmuse.com to read more about it. It's pretty, I feel like it's pretty in depth. And the easiest way for me to categorize it is to claim it as life coaching. Mm -hmm. But it's so much more than that. And really, it's just a landing page for me to put all the different modalities and practices that not only I've studied, but that I practice in, in my own life every day. That's the directive that I have with it. I look at it as not just coaching, but it's education. Mm -hmm. And it's all about helping people who are ready to make connection. Because if you look at what transpersonal mm. is, that's, I mean, we're tapping into super conscious. This yeah. is like sacred territory. And so I feel like the role that I'm playing is the role that I'm also practicing. Mm. And so when I've had people or clients come to me, they're in a position that they are ready to just deepen their unveiling of limiting thoughts and beliefs and patterns that just are not serving them and they're ready. 
So this is really not, I don't think it would be an appropriate approach for people who are ready to be ready or right, right. <laughs> they're kind of like, they might be in a state of drain or fatigue or stress or crisis, whatever that is. Mm-hmm. This really speaks to people who are just a little bit more, more in a stable state mm-hmm. and ready to just kind of explore things at more depth. So my therapist, you know, she practices shamanism and all sorts of other things, too. And the work that we do is a lot Mm -hmm. of what you're talking about. You know, there are certain things that are limiting about being a therapist where if you're a coach, you know, you can you can work with people all over the world. You can charge whatever the fuck you Mm -hmm. want. Like there's so many Mm -hmm. things that you can do, but it's soul work and you can come at soul work work from Mm any modality. Yeah. And I'm just, I'm so appreciative. Actually on my way to do this podcast, I was just thinking about it and I'm like, you know what? It's so funny that I went and I got my MFT or whatever, my degree in psychology, Mm -hmm. my MA, and and I've studied shamanic journeying and I've done all kinds of interesting things. And here I am today working on letting all that go. (laughs) Right. Right. Just so that so that I can make connection. Because when I put mm-hmm. myself in sacred space, I really have to drop all of that. It's not about where I come from. It's not about what I've been doing up until that point. It's about just dropping it all and being so present so that I can be receptive. That's kind of the journey that I take in this approach and with the people that I work with. Well, it's an unlearning, right? What I told my husband just got his master's in social work and I told him like, you're going to learn everything in school. And then when you go out in the world, like after you've taken your exams, forget it. Mm-hmm, <laughs> mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Because you just you need to have it as a foundation and it builds like an internal structure. It creates a trust. Like you're saying, you build the structure, yeah. but the structure is more of like this trust that these types of tools work. Yeah. That these types, yeah. this background, this education has some place where it can fit into all those little gaps and spaces inside of yourself that you just weren't quite sure about how to navigate before. Mm. And now you have it. So use it, but it's not the one way. That's why being a therapist wasn't right for me. It was too structured Mm -hmm. and it was limited for what I wanted to do and the types of people I wanted to work with. Mm -hmm. But Mm -hmm. it serves me so well because I understand my scope. I understand the ethics and just how far I can help people and and just the wisdom of knowing when someone's in the right space to do this kind of work or when mm-hmm. they really need to kind of fall back into some other modality that's going to really support their needs and their basic needs. I was just thinking as you're talking, you know, one of the criticisms from the therapy profession is that, you know, coaches, there's no regulation. And Mm. I feel like it's a double-edged sword because totally in the therapy field, we have all these regulations, but there are still some really bad therapists. Have you Mm -hmm. heard the podcast, The Shrink Next Door? No. Oh, my God. It's about this guy who's a psychiatrist who was absolutely he did everything except for fuck his clients, I think. Oh, my gosh. Literally, like, had them, like, put him in their will and, like, drive them around and, like, all kinds of fucked up shit. That's like a vampire. Yeah. And he's actually, like, still practicing. Mm -hmm. So even though we have these regulations, it doesn't necessarily mean that people are 
it's qualified. an abuse of power. Right. Mm-hmm. And I really think of it as like, you're not qualified from the inside out. Mm-mm. Yeah. So it's been a really wonderful landing page for me to do this because I've also been careful in the way that I've been drawn to and practicing in the shamanic journey Mm -hmm. world and using a lot of those tools in this kind of work. And it's been so beautiful to witness people using and applying these tools. I call it mindful imagination. (laughs) <laughs> because there really is a crossover, you know, I think the only difference between the approach I'm taking with the transpersonal muse versus like actual shamanism is that I'm saying, you know, this is coming from you. This is all part of your energy, your mm. your imagination, your inner world, whereas shamanism would say, well, those are actual entities and energies and mm. spiritual forms. I believe in it all. Like I I get it all, but that's just for me. That's a whole personal thing. But for individuals who might not be so sure about that or they're not aware of that, it's just such a wonderful bridge to just start with the inner world and bringing in your own personal empowerment through the access of mindful imagination. I'm curious if you wouldn't mind sharing what your daily practice looks like, Mm because that's a question that I get a lot from people is, you know, what do I do to take care of myself? So I'd love love to hear you. Totally. Yes. Well, that's exciting because I feel like that's sort of where my work has been going is with my clients. And I'll talk about the course that I have that I'm offering as well. Please. Everything that I do is around what somebody can do to creatively put together their own personal sacred practice that is inviting and interesting and flexible and just for them. Mm. So it's so personal. My practice changes all the time. Mm -hmm. (laughs) It is not stagnant. It is not regimented. If I were to have it like that, it would just totally make me resistant. I would Mm. just not be into it. And I'm coming from a background in Tibetan Buddhism. When I got my bachelor's degree, the program that I went through was four years of doing hours of sitting meditation. Mm -hmm. I have a very good understanding and background in what it takes to have a practice and what that means. But because I'm so creative and I live in the West, (laughs) in this Mm -hmm. Western culture, Mm -hmm. it has to fit with my lifestyle. I'm also raising two little kids and often I'm home alone with them because dad's away. So my practice has to work with the life that I'm living. And that's how I look at everybody else. I go, okay, what is your lifestyle looking like? How busy are you? How much time are you willing to give this? Mm -hmm. Let's look at your options. And then first, let's look at what your gifts are. What are you passionate about? What fills you up with energy? And also at the same time, what relaxes you? What puts Mm -hmm. you at calm? Mm -hmm. So one person I have, for example, is into movement. Mm -hmm. And so my approach with her was, then let's get into some stretching or go dance or Mm -hmm. run or whatever you can to get yourself in that state of feeling energized and yet relaxed at the same time. Because nothing's really going to start to shift or create openness for receptivity if you're not in a state of relaxation. So what I do is I actually put on my earbuds and I lay down in my bed in a dark room. This is when my kids are in school. Yeah. (laughs) And see, this is why I can't do the same practice every day, but this is my go-to. And I put on my drumming 
there's a drumming audio mm. I listen to and I go into my journey work and mm. it's wonderful because it's a combination of shamanic journeying and doing a mindfulness practice. So the practice is in being able to tune into the voice of ego versus the voice of intuition and letting the voice of ego kind of take a back seat. Mm-hmm. That's the practice. That's where the term practice kind of comes into play with that. Other Mm -hmm. than that, I'm going into a state of being fully open and receptive to whatever's flowing through. And it's so powerful and moving for me when I get to that place. But then there's times when the kids are home and (laughs) I can't, I can't just be like, peace out, motherfuckers. I'm going to go lay in my bed and listen to some drumming. They would look at me like, (laughs) yeah, right. (laughs) It's like for me, when the phone rings at the house, all of a sudden they come out of the woods and they're like, ooh, let's talk to mom and drive her nuts. Oh my God. So, you know, it's really hard. I don't know if you have kids, but I do not what life is like. I do not, but I hear it from my clients all the time. (laughs) Right. So when they're home, what I do is I have an altar in my bedroom and that's kind of, uh, I promote people creating little sacred spaces or Mm -hmm. altars wherever they can in their house. The room is a really wonderful place because it's where you go to bed at night. It's where you wake up in the morning. It's just your, it's your space. And I have a living, breathing altar, which means it changes Mm -hmm. all the time. And I work with the elements. I'm such an advocate for grounding, but I don't believe that it's limited to just going outside to do it. I mm-hmm. feel like you can ground wherever you want. You just bring it to you. You bring mm-hmm. it into your awareness, your space. So for me, I bring in elements that represent fire, earth, water, and air. Mm-hmm. And they can look different all the time. I'm just, I use this gathering and presenting on my space as part of my practice mm-hmm. and checking in with where in my body I'm feeling moved or feeling connection with these types of elements. And mm-hmm. then sometimes I'm not even sure about what that looks like until they're all gathered and put on my display. And then I can see, wow, I have an immense amount of water and depth going here and Mm. not so much fire. I wonder how that looks in my life, if that's really a reflection or Mm -hmm. if it's actual medicine and it's compensating for something that I'm not giving so much attention to. So, you know, that becomes a practice and I can do that in a matter of minutes. Sometimes I'll put one kid in the bath and the other one's playing (laughs) and I like jam over to my room. I get undressed Mm -hmm. real quick to go jump in the shower and I look at something on the altar, like a rock or a candle and I just go, okay. (laughs) And I take a quick pause a breath. I feel my feet on the ground and then I run and jump into my shower while everybody else is doing their thing and then go back and finish off everybody. But what I'm promoting for myself are these moments that can happen at any time and mm-hmm. and the altars serve as a reminder. So they're just there to remind me that I can come home at any minute, anytime I want. When I work with people, like I have a lady right now, the one that is really connected with the gift of movement. Mm-hmm. One of the practices that we sort of put together for her is once she's gotten into her state of relaxation through the movement is to find herself being able to keep her eyes open and aware and just take in her surroundings wherever she is and noticing if something draws her attention that reflects some aspect of movement in a way that resonates with her. And then to use that as a sacred object. 
and mm-hmm. that becomes part of the practice and that object can go with her anywhere. She can put it in her purse. She can put it on her dashboard in the car or in her bathroom, whatever it is. And it's not so much of a, you know, superstitious thing. It's more of just a grounding element. For her, that didn't work. So she actually was drawn to pulling a little oracle card. Mm -hmm. And so she had an animal card that she pulled. And it was so wonderful how this one card and its description perfectly matched this space of what she's wanting to step into and what she's wanting to create. Yeah. The, I guess, words that were coming to me as you were describing that was sacred in the everyday. Mm -hmm. You know, that's the transpersonal, but that's where a lot of our shifts within ourselves are made. It's when these aha moments come in and insight and creative awakening. We don't really tend to give ourselves that opportunity to make those types of connections when Mm -hmm. we're just on autopilot. Right. Or when we're just, you know, living out of everything that we're used to, used to being, we're not bypassing all the old stuff. We're actually going in and saying sacred is the big key here. And when you align with sacred, when you align with that creative awakening, you start to see and feel the shift of what it is to be your actualized self versus what it is to be in a state of living out of the past. And so we're looking at a lot of subconscious stuff. And this is where the course that I put together is, it's called Dissolving the Walls of Limitation. Yeah, say say more about it. It's a six session course. It could be six weeks, but it's a very intensive course. So everyone that I've had going through this, I feel like around week three, it turns into a couple of weeks added on (laughs) just for them to like Mm -hmm. really work through it. But I I made it an intensive because it is really for someone who's ready, Mm -hmm. ready, ready. I look at it like an initiation into a transitional stage of your life. You're coming at it like you're ready to unveil so that you can create shifts in your life. Or you have created those shifts on the outside and you're ready to unveil what's inside. You're ready to unlock that shit. Yeah. So when we come into this, course. And this is all virtual online, but I am working one-on-one. I actually started to put this up on an online academy and I took it down because Mm. it wasn't giving me enough freedom to really interact with the individual. And Mm. so these are sent in private secure emails. Oh, great. And then there's also downloads that people will be able to keep for themselves for however long. And these downloads will include some resources and reading excerpts and exercise handouts, meditations, guided meditations, that kind of thing. The way it's set up is you go into it with creating sacred space and it's very step-by-step. So there is a structured way to do this that I've put out. And it's really this whole ceremony. I mean, we're creating a very sacred container for Mm -hmm. this transition that you're making. And once we kind of establish that, then we get into some symbolism and using symbols to activate the imagination and the dream world. Mm -hmm. And then once we start opening and inviting in that unconscious material, then we start to get into the deeper stuff, like where these limitations have 
stemmed from and Mm. breaking that down. Now, this isn't something I'm doing therapeutically. This is more self-help. Like this is, Mm -hmm. I'm giving you the information. You're watching some videos. You're taking notes. You're reading the lesson in the session. And then you're taking that and you're breaking it down for yourself. Mm -hmm. And you're putting your own spin to it. Once you get through that, then we even bring in, I sneak in a little bit of shamanic stuff in there (laughs) (laughs) and we get into working with the elements, using the elements to really help us open up to the creative active imagination and doing some writing around that and visualization and then using the imagination and the symbolism to shift the whole experience that we've had with the limitation. Finally closing it all up in a closing ceremony of just revisiting that whole journey and how to proceed from there. You know, I'd really love to hear too. I feel like people who end up becoming soul workers, if you will, Uh we've had our own dark nights of the soul and we've had our own struggles and we we often come to these healing modalities and then realize like, oh, it's my gift to to help others heal. So right. I'm curious how that <laughs> is, evolved yeah. for you. So I, I laugh at this because I'm like, shit, I don't have a fucking dark story. <laughs> I have my <laughs> levels of darkness, but yeah. God, I'm just so grateful that I feel like I've come into this world like a volunteer. Like I'm like, Mm. uh, I'm going to just come in. And I felt tapped in from a very young age just with the imagination and active dream life and spiritual and energetic physical experiences Mm. that really brought me into this alignment of, oh, my God, there's something going on here that is beyond the physical. And then going through waves of forgetting forgetting that I even had those connections and then remembering. It was like, it's like I could go through all these moments of forgetting. And anytime I had forgotten is when something would have happened, whatever that would have been. I have, because I came into this world, you know, so vividly conscious and connected. I also struggled with anxiety Mm -hmm. off and on. And at different levels. And I don't think this really would have been such an issue had I been brought up probably in a different culture. You know what I mean? Yeah. So I think a lot of that just stems from the expectations that are placed. And a lot of the struggle for me was really around the the pressure that I internalized for myself. And it wasn't Mm -hmm. coming from my parents. Mm -hmm. Um, If anything, it probably was coming from the energy that I would pick up in yes. in my classroom yes. and among my peers. There's no blame on anyone. It's just more of how I processed it. What my innate excitement shifted into was a symptom of anxiety. Yeah. And, yeah. Um, and this is really like a post thought in my reflection of seeing when I've ever struggled or had suffering, mm-hmm. I can, I can turn it all back into, oh my God, it was a symptom of anxiety. It was hmm. me trying to avoid or run from funky ass feelings. <laughs> <laughs> and well, so if you go, if you go on my Instagram or even like the Facebook, I have a transpersonal muse on Facebook. Anybody can just go on and look at it. I've put some videos on, on funky stuff, like how to, how to tame a funky relationship. I even have a blog that I've written stuff on this about, but I love, I love the word funky. I feel like it just totally coins the whole 
mm-hmm. shitty ass aspect of <laughs> anxiety or even depression. It's like this funk, you know, I feel like I can go as far back as when I was about eight and feeling mm-hmm. just when I started becoming aware of having these shitty feelings and just really not giving myself the time or space to hear or see right. what it was that my soul was trying to grab my attention to connect with. So that's the wound. <laughs> yeah. And the, the thing that I hear too in that is a misalignment between the expectations of society and what mm-hmm. your your soul's work was. And yeah. I relate to that. And it's really interesting. I'm trying to figure out how to say this best. Like there have been moments in my life where I struggled with suicidal ideation. And Mm. it's only when I'm not aligned with my authentic self. Mm -hmm. And it was all through childhood through Mm. childhood, through adolescence, wasn't until I got out of my family of origin where that started to go away and I was able to be my authentic self. And so when I look back now, it's like it was just trying to function in the way that everybody else around me was functioning, even though my soul knew that wasn't what I was supposed to be doing. Yeah. It's like you were in survival mode based on your surroundings Mm-hmm. When you're in survival mode too, that's why this work that I'm presenting is like, you really have to get past the survival mode. Cause yeah. when you're in survival mode, your soul is just screaming for your attention and you're fighting it. You know, you're fighting yep. it just to get back to a place where your body is like able to breathe again. And I see mm-hmm. this with clients all the time because addiction is my main specialty. Right. And I see people you know, they'll they'll tell me things like, oh, there's golden handcuffs because I'm super successful in my job, but it's killing me. And I'm like mm. totally addicted to alcohol or what, you know, whatever substance. Right, and right, it's right. so it's so much about like not being able to tolerate this misalignment. And there's so much fear in that because, mm-hmm. you know, we're not raised to really give our intuitive voice space mm-hmm. and to be able to give it some space. And to, to activate it or not even activate it. It's all, I feel like it's activated at any time, Mm -hmm. but just to be able to go and allow that activation to take a platform. Right. How would you know? How do you know that that's even, how can you Mm -hmm. trust that? You have to create a bond and a trust between yourself and that voice of intuition to know that when you take those types of leaps through transition, that there is a safety net. And it's beyond your control. Right. And it's beyond anything you could have imagined, but it's there to serve your best interest and your higher self. And also that doesn't mean that the path is easy. And it also doesn't mean that the path is without pain. No. And I think that those two things are going to come in when you have the least amount of structure or support in ever having made a connection with the intuition, Mm -hmm. you know, and Mm -hmm. to honor that intuitive voice. So the less amount of practice you've had listening to the intuition and listening to that voice of the higher self or the transpersonal, you are going to struggle with the pain and the suffering of really loosening that grip of attachment. Well, let's shift into the the healer talk. I'm really curious (laughs) your answer. Are you a healer? I guess so. Yeah. I don't know. It's just such a weird thing. You know what I feel like 
when you watch The Voice, have you ever seen The Voice? Of course. I have. Mm-hmm. Some of the best singers, I feel like, are the ones who are the most humble. And mm-hmm. they're just, or even like, so you think you can dance. Any of those competition reality shows. And the ones who tend to come out the winner are the least conceited or yep. vain in their approach. And that has been my journey. Why do you think it's taken me so long to get to this final landing page? It's because I have never, I've never claimed it because Mm -hmm. I don't feel like it's something to claim. I feel Mm -hmm. like it's something that I just practice. I practice healing. I practice awakening. I'm on a path of doing it in the most normal way I can. Mm -hmm. And normal, I mean, just being able to function in my life and the lifestyle I have, and then also being able to meet myself when I can and when it's appropriate. So it's like this, it's a balance. It's a balancing act. And sometimes it has required that I shift the friendships that I have. Yeah. Sometimes it's required that I make changes to the plans I've already made. Sometimes I have to take a three hour nap just to <laughs> just to get myself back on track before mm-hmm. I can even show up. So, you know, there's all these different kinds of changes. And if I didn't trust this practice that I have right. and the life that I'm living, then it would be a very big struggle and I'd have a lot of guilt. I would have so much anxiety, you know, so I can see, I can see where a lot of people can tend to get into these loopholes of pain and wounds and resistance and all that it really takes an effort. It takes an effort to get to this place. And, and that's kind of the healing. That's how I look at the healing is putting in a little bit of effort here and there. Sometimes it requires asking for help. And sometimes it just takes giving yourself a minute every day just to do a little Mm check-in and all those, all those moments add up. They all are ways to fill up our reservoir of energy. That's one of the things I'm trying to work on personally right now, because I feel like I get to the end of the day and I've just completely exhausted myself and I can do nothing but lay on the couch and eat and drink all the stuff that is not helping me. Right. Because you're just so depleted. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Yeah. I have learned that path. (laughs) Yeah. I've been there. I feel like when you get to those places, it's kind of a check-in. It's a a moment to check Mm -hmm. in and go, oh my gosh, am I working out of myself? Am I pulling from myself or am I pulling from something that's bigger than me? Because if I'm Mm -hmm. pulling from something Mm -hmm. that's bigger than me, then I won't be drained. I love that. Ooh, Mm -hmm. I'm going to steal that. Do it. And I also think too, you know, the way that you talk about yourself, I'm guessing that You've had so many lifetimes before and you've learned a lot of the lessons along the way. One of the things that my therapist and I were talking about is that I'm I'm like a medium age soul where I'm like rushing to get everything done in this lifetime because there's so fucking much to do. Oh, man. <laughs> and that's because when I think of like, you know, okay, wait, I need to take a nap. <laughs> right? Yeah. yeah, but it's like why I am I so naps. I'm a napper. I'm not a napper. <laughs> I'm not I'm but meditation actually like helps me yeah. get back, but but I just think right. about like, you know, all of the things that I'm doing are things that I love to do and things mm. that are part of what I'm supposed to do in this life, but I'm just trying to do it all at once cuz I don't think right. there's going to be enough time. <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> you know what, girlfriend, there's never going to be enough time ever. I know. I know. There's never going to be enough time. That's why I finally was like, 
fuck it. I'm doing transpersonal muse. Yeah. And I'm going to do it all online because my dilemma is I don't have enough time either because mm-hmm. my I have the family and I'm home with them all the time. Right. And I don't really have a space to do this. I also appreciate doing this type of work if I'm going to do it in person outdoors. You know, I don't want an mm. office. I don't want to sit there or I like my home because it feels like a sacred space. Mm-hmm. So, but yeah, man, I get it. Time is our biggest obstacle. Yeah. And it really is. And it's not even real. It's not even that's what's well, so fucked yeah, up. It is it and isn't. it isn't, right? <laughs> it's not. Yeah, it's you're right. This, it's this construction <laughs> that we had to have in order to like organize things. Right. Yeah. So we're all cohesive, but you're right. Yeah. So how do you feel about the term wounded healer? So I took a moment with that. When I first sat with it, I went, "Mm, I don't know. And I I understand it. I've done a lot of Jungian studying and dream work and all that. So I get it. I sort of for myself had to change the terms. Mm -hmm. Actually, I'll tell you a story. The first time I looked at your description and the questions you were going to pose, when I tried to turn wounded healer onto myself, I looked at my hand. I went straight to my hand. On Mm. my right hand, I've had a case of dyshydrotic eczema in my palm. Hmm. And it comes and it goes. And for a very long time, it was very activated. Now, this is a type of eczema that's activated by heat. And I Hmm. think for women, it's also depending on your cycle. I've had it for probably over 12 years now. Hmm. I got it during a time where I was working in a toxic environment. It was toxic to myself. Mm -hmm. I wasn't serving myself and I was being very empathic. I was taking on everybody's energy and the stress of it all. And I noticed that that was a time that this started to activate and it hit me. There's been times where it's been very under control and times where it's been out of control. When it gets out of control, it feels like a case of poison oak and it gets these little bubbly blisters and you just, once you scratch it, you can't stop. It's really, it's nasty. It's a nasty little bugger. So when I read Wounded Healer, I looked at my hand and I went, oh, because the way I've been working with my hand this last year is it's my sacred object. Mm. This is my... This hand is my check-in point. So I look at wound as the wound is the check-in. It's calling attention to a place in ourselves that requires connection and love. And the healer is that connection and that love. Reiki would be a really good example of that description, I feel like, because that's the process is you're sending, you're accessing and sending love into these places. And that sort of, when I started doing Reiki training, it sort of instigated this whole process along with some Ayurvedic. So see, I go, I go and pull from resources and healing modalities outside of myself to Mm -hmm. help me to honor my process. Mm -hmm. Because sometimes you just need the extra guidance, you know? Mm -hmm. And so those were my backups for this process. And also shamanic healing. I had a session with a shaman who was able to go in and help me with some stuff around the hand. And since then, Mm -hmm. I've done my own practice with it and meditation and, and shifting the way that I relate to this with the terms that I use and also with the images that I communicate with in place of 
the old way of relating to it, which mm. was, ew, ew, gross, how irritating. I fucking hate this thing. Right, right. And now it's more like I look at it and I'm grateful. It's really a bizarre mm-hmm, <laughs> turnaround, mm-hmm. but it really changes the emotional attachment. It shifts that and it aligns me into something that's greater than what this physical wound is representing. Right. And I'm I'm curious, since you've shifted the way that you relate to it, have you had as many outbreaks? No. Yeah, exactly. No, actually, <laughs> the, the more the more right. hardcore I went into this, the more effort I put into the connection, then the intuitive voice started coming through and it was like, you need to okay, so let me back up real quick. Mm-hmm. One of the things that dyshydrotic eczema does not like, just like a lot of eczema and just like our skin, it doesn't like water because <laughs> mm. water actually dehydrates on, on skin contact, not internally. I chug water like crazy. Mm-hmm. That's actually good for us. But for skin contact, water will actually dehydrate us more. My condition, you know, I avoided water as much as possible and just doing my practice and going into Reiki and just giving myself so much more love. I just started having these flashes of wash your hands, wash your hands, clean, 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 Hmm. go use Neosporin. Fuck it. If it's a medical ointment, Mm because, you know, I'm trying to like steer clear of all the band-aids and everything. And, and I just had that deep intuitive guidance come through and it was like, just clean it, clean it, clean it, clean it, Mm. disinfect it. And I started doing that. And then I would do my Reiki and I would just Mm -hmm. send it all this love and I'd write about it and my journeys and it cleared. It totally went Mm. away. And then I haven't been giving myself that type of attention in the most recent, I'd say a couple months. And I've been a little bit more stressed and Mm -hmm. it started showing up again. Yep. And then other things were showing up. And so just in the last, I would say the last maybe three or four days, I've kind of been on this kick of seeing the wound, being turned on to the wound, and as well as emotional wounds. Mm -hmm. And this whole motto of it's okay. It's okay. It feels funky. It doesn't feel good. It itches. I'm upset. I don't feel very comfortable. It's okay. It's okay. Mm. It's totally okay to be in that funk and to know that it's not, this is not permanent. I have seen it come and go and that's just like everything else. It just comes and it goes. That's really inspiring because at this, at this moment in my life, like I would really love to lose weight and I'm, I'm Mm. recognizing that my body is definitely holding on to it because Mm -hmm. I am shaming myself and, you know, like telling it it has to be different and better. I know intuitively that if I really just work on my relationship with my body, that everything will just kind of fall where it's supposed to, you know? (sighs) So I'm gonna, I'm gonna take that. Yeah, do it. Take it. Yeah. Thank you. Yeah. Sometimes just see, that's where like in the coaching, I love it because I feel like Sometimes it's just that, just that knowing, just knowing that you have this funky dynamic. It's really your interpretation of your body. It has Mm -hmm. nothing to do with anybody else's because that's, it's you living inside of it. Do you want that type of relationship? You know, because you have the power to shift that. And I feel like sometimes it's those types of moments when you give yourself time in your practice to Mm -hmm. work on that shift that the fat itself starts to melt off or 
it just doesn't fucking matter anymore. Right. Right. <laughs> you know, I, it's mm-hmm. funny. I woke up like, I think it was about a month ago. I woke up and I went, I want to fucking lose 10 pounds. I'm done. I want to just feel, <laughs> I want to feel a little less bloated and just clean. I want to feel mm-hmm. clean. And I texted my girlfriend and I'm like, let's do this. We kind of get on this water thing, like where we're like, we're going to chug water first thing in the morning and like mm-hmm. see what happens. And she was cracking up because she's like, I'm not even kidding you. Just last night before you messaged me about losing weight, I told my mom and sister, let's do this. Let's lose 10 pounds. We'll do a little pool. Like whoever loses it first and keeps it off for 10 days hmm. is the winner, wins the pool. And I'm like, put me into this. And <laughs> <laughs> so we started and I have to say, it's been amazing. Like chugging water, not to the point where your kidneys are like, fuck you. Right. <laughs> but, but just to like wake up and replenish before you go into the other crappy things that you might put in your body. Yeah. Doing that. And then just being in tune all of a sudden with the shift of this is the attention I'm going to give myself. And I'm going to just do it. And you just right. start doing it. And then all of a sudden, I'm like, I'm going to start eating coconut yogurt. And I'm going to try this. And I'm not changing anything else. I didn't change anything else. If I wanted ice cream, right. I had ice cream. I love chips. I eat chips every day. And then a week later, no, almost two weeks later, I lost four pounds. Wow. And I was like, what the fuck? That was crazy. And then I ditched the whole thing. I just stopped doing it all. And I was still chugging water, but I kind of lost the momentum mm-hmm. and then the weight came back. Huh. So there's, there's something said to that, like when you do a practice and that's why it's really important when I'm working with people that once you build up the momentum, we got to keep that shit fresh. If it starts to go stagnant, we got to recheck it and see where you are at. We always have to meet you where you're at and just really fine tune it and go in and where are you being pulled right now? Where is your attention going? What are you interested in? Cause it's not always going to be the same. Right. Maybe one day you're like this client I had, maybe one day she's really into movement and the next day she's not. And she wants to do something completely different. She likes to write. She hasn't written in a while. So then the practice shifts and it goes over into writing, but there's always this intention of coming home to self. Right. Is there anything that you didn't already share with listeners that you really want them to know? I just really advocate honoring the intent that we put into making connection, Mm -hmm. whether we're doing it outside of ourselves or we're coming into our own privacy with ourselves, that just everything is a reflection and there's always opportunity to see how our lives are in sync with something greater that's going on. You don't have to believe in anything. I don't come from a religious background. I don't think any of that matters. I think it's just more of an openness or a willing to be open and Mm. curious of just seeing what's happening, just being that observer, because that is kind of where the magic is. And that's where I get excited for myself and for people who are drawn to doing this type of work is seeing how how aligned we really have the potential to be. Mm. Thank mm-hmm. you so much. <laughs> Thank you. Yeah, I love this. This podcast is just as much about <laughs> me healing myself as it is oh, like good. giving people access to all kinds of amazing oh, people. Oh my gosh. So well, I, really I feel appreciate like it. you're totally, and you doing this kind of stuff 
you are just such a gem. Like you're giving everybody the opportunity to do for themselves as you are doing for yourself. Yeah. And that's what this is all about. Yep. You know, you yep. got to share the path you're living, share it. Exactly. Don't hide it. Exactly. That. That, that was 2019 for me. It was like, oh, I know all this shit and I've yeah. got it. And I'm not, I need to like, let it out. I need people to share this. So anyway, this is, this is an exciting connection that we've made. And I'm so, so happy to just keep following you as well. Like I am so excited for what you're doing. I love it. Oh, thank you. Mutual mm-hmm. fans. <laughs> Yay. Yay. I truly hope you enjoyed that episode as much as I did. Thank you so much, Sophia, for being on the show. And to find out more about Sophia, you can go to our website at www.headhearttherapy.com slash podcast. Thanks as always to the Creative Imposter Studios for editing, to Liam O'Donnell for the album art, and to my friend Ben Mueller for our theme music. Thanks so much for tuning in. Until next time, bye-bye.